In 2020, Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin, reached a settlement with victims of the opioid crisis. The deal was worth $8 billion. And what is your connection to the Purdue Pharma settlement case? Just tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I I wish I wasn't part of the Purdue Pharma case, but um, my wife and I lost our son uh, to an OxyContin overdose in uh, 2009. His name was Brian. He was uh, just shy of his 21st birthday. Bill Nelson is one of the roughly 130,000 claimants eligible for a payout from the deal. But Bill opposes the settlement. I don't necessarily want any money. No, no, no amount of money is ever going to make me happy, me or my wife happy. It's not going to bring our son back. What Bill does want is to go to court against the Sacklers, the family that owned and ran Purdue. But Bill can't do that if the settlement is approved. That's because the agreement includes a provision that protects the Sacklers from future civil lawsuits. With the Sacklers, this is all about money. The only, our only hope is to hit them where it hurts. And, and that's to be able to sue them and, and, and put them through hell. The Sacklers have previously denied wrongdoing as owners of Purdue. Now, the Justice Department has brought a case to the Supreme Court on behalf of people like Bill, a case that could sink the whole deal. What would you want to hear from the Supreme Court in this particular case? Well, very simple. I want the Supreme Court to, uh, to throw out the settlement. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Jessica Mendoza. It's Tuesday, December 5th. Coming up on the show, how an opioid settlement worth billions could unravel. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. On Monday, protesters gathered outside the Supreme Court. Inside, the nine justices were faced with a question. Can the Purdue Pharma settlement move forward if some claimants, like Bill Nelson, don't agree with the terms? But the beginning of the story goes back decades. I'll lay it out for you. In the late 1990s, the... Sackler family, through their ownership of Purdue Pharma, which is a company which they own, they began selling OxyContin, which became known as one of the most popular opioid products. And many people would say that it is what kickstarted or kind of launched the opioid epidemic. That's our colleague Alexander Gladstone. In 2007, Purdue Pharma pleaded guilty to misbranding OxyContin misleading users about how addictive the drug is. In the 
2010s, there came to be a lot of lawsuits against the Sacklers brought by a lot of different people, both individuals, like a person who lost a son or a daughter, and also by governments. You know, if, if you're the state attorney general of a certain state, you can say, well, you got a lot of my citizens, you know, hooked or had overdoses and, you know, I'm, I'm suing on behalf of my state. There's about 130,000 people who have filed claims against Purdue and the Sacklers saying you have caused me and my family damage by getting my son or daughter or myself addicted to opioids and causing an overdose or other bad effects of addiction. By 2019, Purdue was facing thousands of lawsuits and it filed for bankruptcy. Under bankruptcy law, all the lawsuits were frozen and brought into a single negotiation. It took years of complex negotiations, but they finally got to that agreement. And this agreement, by the way, it's supported by nearly all state attorneys general and victims who voted on the plan, 95% voted in favor. And so there's a settlement plan, which is saying the Sackler family will give $6 billion dollars and Purdue itself will give an additional $1 to $2 billion to settle all these lawsuits and all these claims by these people who say that, you know, you've injured me. And then just taking a step back, can we put this settlement in relation to other settlements related to opioids cases? Like, how much money is this? Well, here's the thing that's interesting. Some of the big drugstore chains, CVS and Walgreens, and also big pharmaceutical companies like Johnson & Johnson, they have agreed to settlements that are very, very big. I think it's collectively, if you include Purdue as well, but between all the different pharma companies and drugstore chains, it's over $50 billion. What makes the Purdue agreement unique is that $750 million would go directly to victims and their families. This settlement would be by far the largest and one of the first times that victims themselves get direct compensation. Wow. Okay. So it is a big deal to get to this point and presumably to have it move forward. Exactly. It's a very big deal. The money would work out to up to $48,000 per victim. About $5 billion would go to states and local governments to help fund addiction programs. The most controversial part of the deal has to do with the Sackler family. They would contribute $6 billion of their personal wealth to the settlement. But after that, they would be protected. No one would be able to bring civil lawsuits against the family in the future. And the reason why it's so controversial is there's a component of that settlement which says not only are all the existing lawsuits against the Sacklers resolved by this, but they're immune from future lawsuits that would be brought, future civil lawsuits, I should say. Interesting. So what it would mean is if the Supreme Court sides with Purdue and the settlement, it would mean that the settlement happens and then the Sacklers are then immune to being sued for lawsuits that concern how they handled Purdue and their selling of opioid products through Purdue. Forever. They can't be sued again for that reason. They're immune to it. Bill Nelson, the father who lost his son to an overdose, says that immunity provision isn't fair. What will happen is that the Sacklers get to walk away scot-free from any future civil 
liability from their role in ruining the lives of hundreds of thousands of, of people. And I just don't think that's right. Um, I know that we're one of the few families that are against the settlement. My heart goes out and I sympathize with those that are in favor of the settlement, but I just don't think it's the right thing. And I would hope the Supreme Court would agree. And what is it that you want to get from the Sacklers? Like, if the DOJ wins its appeal and the settlement falls apart, what does this mean for you? What do you get? I get satisfaction is probably all I'd get. What I really want is to see Richard Sackler spend the rest of his life in in prison. Uh, has nothing to really do with with the outcome of the of the bankruptcy settlement. Bill pushes back against the settlement for another reason: the timeline for the release of the money. Because even if the settlement is approved, payments to individuals would be dispersed over the next decade, and payments to local and state governments would be over eighteen years. If the Supreme Court rules the way you want, what if it takes years? To, I mean, you've already been in this fight for so long. What if it takes years to reach a new settlement? Or, you know, how, how do you feel about that? Unfortunately, that's not a what if, it's a definite. It will take years. And again, that's, that's part of the reason why I feel, I feel for the families that, that are in favor of the settlement. They, they want to put this behind them. Some of the families need money as little as it is. But um, I, I just think it's the wrong, it's the wrong thing. They're, they're doing it for their own reasons. They're absolutely entitled to their, their opinion, and I respect that, and I just hope they respect ours. After the break, we hear from a claimant who wants to take the Purdue settlement. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. My name is Kara Trainer. I'm 42, and I'm from um, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Right before her 21st birthday, Kara was prescribed OxyContin after a sports injury. I usually say I used to be the uh, one of the originals because I was prescribed OxyContin back in 2002. Kara says she became addicted to opioids, including heroin. In 2010, that's when I became pregnant and gave birth to my little guy, uh, Riley. When he was born... Riley had withdrawal symptoms, and since then, he's had health issues. 
he has had problems um, with development. He was in diapers up until he was 12 last year, using a sippy cup until last year. And he does have eye conditions that they can directly link to the neonatal opioid withdrawal. Kara Trainer is one of the claimants, and she supports the settlement with Purdue Pharma and the Sacklers. So for us to reach that deal, I think it was a miracle. I've said it multiple times to negotiate that. This is the best deal that, you know, that we could possibly get. Kara works two jobs, helping other addicts in recovery in Kalamazoo, Michigan. The money from the settlement could go a long way to helping her and her son. It took us like two years to come to the settlement, you know, and and victims were actually going to get money directly. It's not, you know, huge, huge, huge money. But for people that are in the struggle right now, (laughs) even the small um, amounts are going to really help people. And so if the deal, the settlement falls apart, it's going to be victim against victim. It's going to be who can race to the courthouse quickly and file. And and can one judgment be more than another victim's judgment? And and what is that going to look like? Our colleague Alex lays out the divide this way. Some people say, I want the money and I want to be done with this case. Other people say, I don't want the money. I don't care about the money. I want to pursue my rights in the court of law. The two views cannot really be reconciled. Because if the settlement is approved, that $6 billion from the Sacklers starts to flow and the other $1.1 you know, to $2 billion from Purdue starts to flow. For all the people who voted in favor, they got what they want. Great, right. For the people who didn't vote in favor, it'd be like forcing them to accept that outcome. Right. So is it like their rights are being impinged upon by being forced to take this settlement? That is the question. And so the Department of Justice is saying those people who didn't agree, you can't take their rights away. You can't force them to accept a settlement that they didn't want and that they don't want. On Monday at the Supreme Court, the justices took up the question of whether or not the majority should force the rest to accept the settlement. In some of the justices, and I, you know, Kavanaugh, um, he, he was sort of saying, well, the majority supports it. I'm sort of, he sort of indicated he might be reluctant to go against what the majority wants. Uh, the opioid victims and their families overwhelmingly approve this plan uh, because they think it will ensure prompt pay- payment. So in those circumstances- But then... Gorsuch, who's also a conservative justice, he was, some of his questions, I believe, are focused on due process. He's like, how can you take a person who doesn't want this deal, who rejects it, and force them to take it? Because the people have the right to a jury trial. This would defy what we do in class action contexts. It would raise serious due process concerns and Seventh Amendment concerns, as the government highlighted. You're only entitled to a jury. So it could create an outcome where you have you know, both liberals and conservatives on one side and then a different group of liberals, conservatives on the other side. What happens to the money if the settlement falls apart, if if the Supreme Court rules against it? If the Supreme Court rules against it, 
the Sacklers would just have all their money sitting in their, their trusts. And then they would say, okay, go ahead and sue me. See how well it goes. Could this decision set a broader precedent? Like, w- would it affect, like, bankruptcies for other companies? Massively. It'll massively set a precedent. Either, either way they rule, it will be massive in terms of the precedent that it sets. Because if the Supreme Court rules in favor of the settlement— Every bankruptcy, you can go in there and you can say, okay, all the directors and executives and owners and people who are supervising the company, we're going to let them off the hook for all that they've done. You know, of course, as part of them giving some sort of financial settlement to all the creditors. And they can do that. Right. If they're not allowed to, if the Supreme Court rules against this deal, then they can't do that. And that actually has a lot of implications for uh, companies that provide consumer products that might harm people, like medicines or pharmaceuticals or tobacco, all all sorts of harms of of stuff like that that can be harmful. So it, it will have sweeping ramifications whichever way they rule. The Supreme Court is expected to make a decision next spring. Kara Trainer, the claimant who works in addiction recovery services, is ready to move on. But whatever happens... Kara says there's one outcome she won't accept. I just refuse to have the Sackler family take anything else away from me. I won't give them that type of power to divide a community, our recovery community and the community of advocates and the grieving parents. We're like a tribe. And they've taken, the Sackler family took so much away from every single one of us, children, our dreams, our lives, you know, all of this. I do not want a fracture in our um, our family and in our community. That's all for today, Tuesday, December 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Spotify and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.